0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Small Business Big Stories podcast. I'm your host, Brittany, and I'm so excited to be bringing you some of the best Toronto female entrepreneurs and their stories. This podcast is for my Toronto ladies, millennial ladies, to be exact, who are looking to start their own side hustle or to take their passion project full-time. Now, we're going to be working on that self-confidence and helping you see that badass businesswoman that you are, but we're also going to be equipping you with tangible resources and tools. For example, where to even go to register your business, what platforms to use when you start invoicing your clientele, and so much more. When I was first starting my business, and that wasn't too long ago, I was a bit overwhelmed, really nervous, really hesitant, and I started to lean on the mentors and the female entrepreneurs around me. And I thought to myself, how selfish would I be if I didn't share this with aspiring female entrepreneurs and specifically my Torontonians? This is my home, this is where my heart is, and this is where I wanna help out the most. So grab a pen and paper, get comfy, Be prepared to learn a lot, and be prepared to be inspired. Hey, Katie. Thank you so much for hopping on today. How are you? I'm doing great, Brittany. Yourself? I'm doing well. I'm really excited to have you on. It's been a long time since we have chatted, uh, and a long time since we've seen each other in person. So I'm glad that we could connect and on this specific level um, and subject matter, because you have come so far since uh, way back when it feels so long ago to say like, you know, we were, we were at Queens together, going to university together. And now you just, we both have like totally different lives. Mm-hmm. And I am so glad that it's sort of come full circle and I'm able to have you on and chatting about your, your venture and your Uh, your path as an entrepreneur. So please let everybody know who you are, uh, what you've been up to and your
1: business. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Brittany. I'm so excited to get to chat with your audience. So uh, my name is Katie and I'm a registered physiotherapist and owner of The Traveling Physio, which is a mobile physiotherapy service. Uh, We serve kind of Southern, Southwestern Ontario um, through in-person, either in people's houses or pre-COVID in people's offices, um, providing physiotherapy and then to the rest of Ontario through secure video service. So I've been doing this for the last three and a half years And yeah, it's been just the best three and a half years of my life. It's been really awesome. That's
0: amazing. When I, so I've been obviously following you and your journey for a little while now. And when I saw that you were providing a mobile service, I was like, hello, this makes so much sense, especially, and I, and I mean, I know you've probably gone through your challenges, especially with COVID, Uh, but just the idea of the service in general you know, when people go and see a medical professional, they're usually going into an office and outside of their comfort zone. Right. You know, medical experiences are quite vulnerable and you are exposing a lot of yourself, whether it be your medical history or just your current state of health. And for you to have like, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. <laughs> I don't know why, but for you to provide a service where you are going into somebody's comfort zone, instead of them having to come out of theirs, I think is the missing piece to the medical profession. What made you think of, you know what, I'm going to provide a mobile service?
1: Yeah. And I love, I love that you get goosebumps because it just tells me you get it. And it's interesting because when I first went into this kind of line of work and doing mobile, people are kind of like isn't that kind of weird? You're going into strangers' houses, but the people who experience it and then people like yourself who just get it realize what a valuable service. And certainly after I see the patients, they don't think it's so strange that you're coming to their house because it honestly, it goes back to our roots in healthcare where doctors used to provide home visits. Yeah. Uh, so we're really getting back to our roots, but I'll share a story with you in terms of why I kind of branched into this mobile service. Awesome. So My very first role was at a clinic and it was a great clinic. It just wasn't a good fit for my kind of entrepreneurial background. Like I was really wanting to kind of get in and innovate and there just wasn't the space to innovate within that role. Um, So while I was at the clinic, I was treating a gentleman for back pain and I was looking at my schedule for the day and I noticed that he had canceled his appointment. So very unlike him. So I gave him a call and he's like, well, I broke my ankle. I, I can't make it into the clinic to see you today. He oh. was like, oh my gosh, like, that's such a bummer. And I looked up where we're able to see like where uh, patients live. And I looked up his address and I was like, well, you're really close to the clinic. I was like, I wonder if I could just do a house call to just provide the physio for your back in your home. He's like, yeah, that would be great. So I asked my boss and she was really hesitant. And finally she was like, you know what? She was like, fine, we'll just, we'll charge him double and you can right. do a house call. And I was like, okay, it seems kind of unnecessary to charge him double because he's like five minutes closer to where actually I was coming from. Right. So not only was it more convenient for me to see the client, it's more convenient for him, but I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to charge him double then. Cause that's just kind of what a lot of people do for those types of services. So as I'm driving to his house, I called my mom because I was like going to someone's house to do healthcare and I was kind of feeling really weird about it. I Listen,
0: like, I am I'm the same way where it's like anytime I'm unsure of something or going into like a new
1: setting, I'm always like, Mom <laughs> Yeah. Moms are key. And uh yeah so I called her and I was like, I'm kind of nervous but I'm also kind of excited. Like this feels, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you just feel you're about to be on the cusp of something. And I was just like, I don't know. I was like, I just have a feeling this is going to be really cool. I'm I'm getting teary eyed even thinking about it. And I remember it it was winter and I was like clumping up his steps and it was really snowy. And I was like, okay, better not slip and fall myself. And I get to his door and that nervousness just vanished. And I just felt, I was like, this is physio. This is in his home. I get to see his environment. I got to understand why it was so important, why we got rid of his back pain. So he had like a small dog running around the house. I was like, his poor dog wants to go for a walk and wants to be picked up. I got to see the environment he was living in. I got to understand why the exercises that I had given him in the past maybe weren't appropriate for his housing situation. He just didn't have a lot of space. Mm. And I was like, I get it. I get now why your goals are so important to you. I just, you have to be in their house to see it. So I left that appointment. I called my mom and I was like, mom, I was like, I don't know. I think, I think I'm onto something. Like I think a mobile practice is the way to go. And before this, I had always planned on opening my own clinic, but I just, I don't know. The clinic space is awesome for so many clinicians and meets a lot of patients needs, but I just kind of felt stifled. I just kind of felt like it was going to be this nine to five of seeing patients every 30 minutes, which really can burn people out. But going into someone's house, you just really get to know their goals and their space. And you just, I just feel like I care a lot more to be honest, because you get to, you get it, you get what's going on with the patient. So anyways, I left the appointment and I was just like, this is something special got back to the clinic, told my boss. I was like, this is really cool. And she's like, well, we're not really going to make this a usual thing. Like we have to have you in the clinic seeing patients. And Mm. so I ended up quitting that job and (laughs) a month and a half later started my own practice. And I always like to kind of put out there for entrepreneurs who are in a similar situation that I had a lot of privilege to be able to just quit my job and start my own business. Mm. Um, I didn't have debt from school. I was well paid at that clinic, so that kind of leap of faith. I'm aware not everybody can always take, and so I like to recognize that like it can be really difficult to do that financially. And certainly, there have been times during the pandemic where I'm a little panicked sometimes, for sure. But that initial leap of faith. I, I didn't have to worry kind of financial wise. So I always like to kind of put out there to um, to your audience that I can really understand if you have a dream and you have a vision, go for it. But if it takes you a little bit longer because you have to kind of secure yourself financially and you have to stay at that nine to five job a bit longer, it's sometimes what you have to do.
0: Absolutely. And I really appreciate that you brought that up because Your experience is not like my experience and and anyone else's experience for that matter. So to really take into perspective that we all come from different backgrounds, different financial situations is really important. And some things, you know, you can just jump right into it, like you said, and other things take time and both ways are perfectly fine. It doesn't mean that just because something is taking you longer and I've actually recently been through this sort of mental process where I was like, you know what, Brittany, just because things that you want to achieve are taking you a little bit longer than whoever it may be. It doesn't mean that it's not working. It doesn't mean that it's not going to work. It doesn't mean that it's not going to go where you want it to go. It's just going to mean that it's going to take a little bit longer. You're going to have to do things a little bit differently. And if you work hard, hard work, it, there's, There's nothing that can beat hard work, hard, consistent work, uh, is, is invaluable and is something that when you put that time in, you put that consistency in will pay off in the end. So I'm, I'm so happy that you brought that up because it can be discouraging sometimes when you do see people around you able to sort of go after their dreams a little bit faster than you. But again, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't know what that, that person's situation is. Uh, so, but it, I'm, it was amazing. And it's just special to hear that story for you in that sort of aha moment because that's what the, for me at least, and I can see for you, it's the same thing in the medical field or in the health and wellness field. It's your, your patient or your client is, it doesn't stop there. You get to know them on a level that, you know, maybe even like a psychology, not saying that I'm certified in psychology or or therapy at all, but you get to know them at a pretty deep level and you get to see what it is that you're doing and why it is that these individuals are coming to see you. Like you mentioned with the gentleman's small dog, and you know, that being a, a life priority for him. in in wanting to walk his dog and just being able to do something that seems pretty, you know, typical for somebody's lifestyle, but based on his injuries and his, you know, physical state of being, he wasn't able to necessarily do. So to give him that, like, how does that make you feel to give clients
1: that ability? It's seriously like, And I always tell patients I cry so easily and I even cry thinking about it now. And I'm like, honestly, if the college of physios wants to come for me because I cry too much to my patients (laughs) go for it. But I do, I do care so much about these patients. And when you're in their home and you see like how this is affecting their lives. I remember in one situation, with was someone post knee surgery. And I was there when the family was putting up their Christmas tree and they were decorating it and everything. And I'm helping this patient with his knee. And he's just like, I want to be able to help my young kids. Like I want to be able to lift them up and put the star on the tree and things that were important to him. And I was just like beside myself being like, we're going to get you there. It's going to be fine. (laughs) It's interesting that you brought up that kind of rapport that you build with clients or patients. Uh, We call that like a therapeutic rapport. And you know, I found that I I was able to make that, those kind of connections quickly in the clinic, but in someone's home, you make those connections so much quicker. Like you just, people are comfortable in their own space. And certainly that also draws up issues of boundaries. Like at the end of the day, I'm their physiotherapist. I'm a healthcare professional, but so I'm not their friend. So there's always that kind of boundary to draw, but it's like the therapeutic rapport as you make in someone's house it leads to better outcomes in recovery because they just they trust you in their space that's exactly nervous. what i was gonna say yeah it's all about trust and like I just find when I'm in a clinic space, it's almost like I'm the practitioner and they're the patient. That's what it sometimes feels like when I'm in the home with them. It's like, no, we are a team as we should be. We should be in any space, but sometimes it feels like when I'm in a clinic, my degrees are hanging up on the wall. I'm behind a desk. It feels very different versus when I'm in their house and maybe it's a small house. They don't have a lot of space. And I'm sitting on their floor and they're sitting on a chair and I'm like, this is cool. Like I, I dig this. So yeah. it's fun.
0: And, and- you know, it's, it's a great segue to lead into my next question, which is, you know, you walk into different environments all the time. How do you, I, I mean, I know you've probably gotten a little bit more seasoned now, but when you first started, how, what was the process of like you looking at somebody's home and being like, okay, how can we do this? Like, how can I treat this person in this space? How can I set myself up for success
1: and the, and the client up for success? Yeah. And it was really cool because I'm, I'm a very like, thinking outside of the box physio anyway, It might come from the fact that I didn't come from a kinesiology background. So most physios have a kinesiology background and go into physiotherapy, and that was not my background um, at all. So I don't necessarily always come from a background of, okay, we have to use weights and we have to use TheraBands. I use those a ton, but mm-hmm. in the clinic, I was always looking for functional things that we could do. Like what what exercises can I give them in the clinic that they can do at home if they don't have the space, they don't have weights. So when I went into people's homes, I found that all of a sudden I went from being a pretty good physiotherapist to just like my outcomes were so improved because I could look at their space and go, ah, they've got a staircase that they're going to pass 10 times a day. and Every time they go by that staircase, they're going to do X, Y, or Z exercise. And I'd put a little piece of paper up on their wall and say, every time you get by the staircase, this is what you have to do. And so it just took my skills and my creativity to a new level by being able to integrate their exercises into their daily life because that's the thing with physio and with any type of kind of allied health rehab field it's you're not paying the physio to touch you and that's something that can be kind of controversial with physio you're not necessarily paying for the manipulations for the mobilizations you're paying for the physio's knowledge and for their knowledge to give you the exercises and those are the two biggest things and it's not to discount how important this is a whole other tangent but it's not to discount how important Do therapeutic it. can be yes. but the exercises are key and if the client or the patient isn't feeling comfortable or motivated or understanding the exercises it's just not going to work out so i find like being in someone's home checking out the environment and being able to really figure it out that's what was getting me the better outcomes because all of a sudden I could prescribe exercises that could meet their needs, meet their goals in their space. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I found the same
0: thing because I mean, I started my business at the start of COVID and I had to get creative really quickly because everything was on zoom. I wasn't, I didn't start off in a gym. Uh, Teaching clients and having the ability to use machines um, and the weights that the gym provided. So I had to get really creative and thinking, you know, how can we use, for example, pieces of furniture safely for the clients to execute these movements? What can they use? I remember one time I asked a client to grab her like nylons, like the, you know, stockings or whatever that you could wear like with a skirt. To use as a resistance band. And she's
1: like, okay. (laughs) Amazing. I've never thought of that. That is awesome. I love that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And without the opportunity, I mean, you know, COVID again, and I will say this time and time again, it brought so many struggles. But Mm -hmm. I mean, like you and I have experienced going into people's homes or do or doing things virtually opens up this other side of your thinking. It sort of unleashes that other side of your brain and thinking, okay, how can I get creative in a field that not saying that like, you know, fitness or physio isn't creative, but it's just, it's not known for that. It's not like you go to a gym and you use these machines or you go to physio and you're taught these specific movements per se for this particular injury. Uh, but when you, when you have, you know, a limited sort of amount of resources,
1: that's when you really elevate that creativity. Exactly. And I found that during COVID, like I did for the first few months, I shifted to completely virtual. And that's where I really made that kind of, that kind of aha moment where I was like, how come my patients are getting the same type of outcomes virtually as they would be if I was in person? Like, Maybe it's not what I'm physically doing to them. And, and certainly there is a role for hands-on treatments and for specific patients. I do a lot of manual work. And then for others, we're strictly exercise prescription, but virtually really helped me kind of make that aha moment of it's, it's what the patient does with the information I give them and the exercises. And it's also their creativity. Like I'll have patients be like, like this movement feels really good. And when I do X, Y, or Z, it seems to help me. And I'm like, awesome. You just created a new exercise. Let's give it a name and I'm going to go and give it to other people. So, so funny because I do the same
0: thing. Yeah. Clients, you know, have the ability and they want to be given that opportunity too, right? To work in as a team. And mm-hmm. when they have taken what you have given them and created something of their own. I feel like that is just the most empowering thing that you can give them. It's like they are at a level of understanding where they're understanding and becoming more aware of their body and what it's
1: capable of. And you're like, this is why I do this. Totally. And I love that word empowering for me. I think my practice is about empowerment. It's about knowledge and it's about hope. So those three things, if I can empower someone, if I can give them the knowledge to advocate for their own health and also to have the knowledge of what's going on. And then the hope piece, because a lot of times in healthcare, we can't give people hope. But if I can say to someone, we may not be able to get you pain free, but we can get you to the point where you can move well enough to do X, Y, or Z, that's huge.
0: Absolutely. And again, great segue um, to advocacy and in the medical field as well. So what has been your experience so far in physiotherapy? And having to advocate for some of your clients. Have you have you encountered that so far? What has that been like for you?
1: Yeah, it's and again, might get teary-eyed here because it is advocacy is huge and people need someone in their corner that they can trust and that genuinely cares for their well-being. And it's so frustrating that we need to do that. And Absolutely. it's not to say that other healthcare professionals don't care. I think we all go into this profession caring. I think there's a lot of burnout and I think there's a lot of pressure on certain members of the healthcare community to see patients really quickly and to not have time to listen to their full story. And that's one of the reasons that drew me to physio is that I could use my education background, my science and healthcare background, and then just get to have time with people to listen. And it's like their stories and their difficulties, you just want to help. And whether that means advocating for a certain tests that they need, advocating for a different type of treatment, like advocating their insurance company for more funding like it just it doesn't really end the advocacy piece and it's frustrating that we have to do that to such a great extent and it really hit home for me I was having my own medical difficulties and I was talking to my primary care practitioner and I was not feeling heard and for the first time I felt like I had to advocate for myself and I left the appointment so frustrated because I was like I advocate for my patients all the time and in that moment I couldn't advocate for myself oh. and I just, I crying and I was so upset and I was just like, this is what my patients, I get I thinking about now, this is what my patients deal with. And like, I, I, it made me feel really proud that I could sit in this role and not only help them as a physiotherapist, but also as like an ally and an advocate for their medical journey. So mm-hmm. yeah, the healthcare system in Canada, we're very fortunate. There are a lot of amazing things, Absolutely. It is a system where I really find consistently a lot of healthcare practitioners just don't have the time to listen and to really get to the root of the problem. And There's a lot of band-aid solutions. So I think physios have a really important role in that we get to spend so much time with our clients, you know, 30, 45, 60 minutes. We Mm -hmm. get to learn their problems. We get to really assess and diagnose what's going on and then we can advocate for them. So there's a huge role for advocacy and you can tell I'm very passionate about it, but I also get very tired. It's it's a role that we shouldn't have to take on. And it would be really nice if if that could be improved over the course of time. I I totally agree with you.
0: I've experienced that myself where, yeah, I just wasn't feeling heard. And I could feel that frustration build up. And I could only imagine, you know, what others feel on a regular basis. And that just you know adds to the mistrust that people feel towards the medical system they don't feel like there's a ton of people right now and i mean i know we could talk at length about you know the covid vaccines and why people are so they don't trust what is going on right now and they just think you know and these are just things that i'm hearing and not necessarily my opinion but just you know big pharma's taken advantage and this is just a big money-making thing. And, or I'll, you know, I'll wait a little bit longer, you know, for, for, you know, more people to get vaccinated and then maybe I'll go get vaccinated. And that is just all based on, again, mistrust of the medical system. It's not just, you know, general practitioners or physiotherapists. It's like the medical system as a whole, where people, a lot of people feel like they don't trust what they're being told. And you bring up really excellent points where it's not necessarily the individuals that are in the system that are, you know, practitioners in the system, but it's the system itself where you're told you have to, you know, work these long hours or even your education, like your medical education is one of the most intense around the world known as One of the most intense fields to get into and to study and, you know, burnout and anxiety and depression around this type of education, I think is, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's being talked about a little bit more now, but I think it really needs a little bit more attention because like, these are the people that we are trusting. We are putting our trust and our health into, like they need to be treated a little bit better too.
1: Yeah. It's such an interesting point you bring up because a lot of people um, who want to go into healthcare are from an early age, if they show aptitude for math, sciences, et cetera, they are told this is the path you must take. Mm -hmm. And certainly that was one of the paths that I found myself on and almost kind of pursued as well. And there was a, a point where I was like, I don't want to be a surgeon or a physician because I don't get to spend that much time with my patients. Mm-hmm. And I tutor and mentor a lot of pre-medical, pre-pharmacy, pre-dental, et cetera, students in making these decisions, because I'm just like, there are so many people who go down this path and don't realize. Like, certainly, if you want to be a surgeon, and that is exactly what you want to do, then yes, that is the area of healthcare for you. And if you have your reasons, go for it. But there are so many people who are just told you're good in math, sciences, et cetera go do X, Y, or Z. And X, Y, or Z may not be the right path for you. And it has nothing to do with how hardworking or intelligent or compassionate it is. It can just be that that's just not the role. If you want to go and help people, there are so many helping professions that might fit with your experiences better. And I think that's a big part of the burnout is that we have this mismatch between people who would make excellent physicians, surgeons, nurse practitioners, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But we have this mismatch between these people who would be great at that and then what they actually want to do. Yes. And when I talk to a lot of these students and they're just like, I want to help people. I want to have time to connect with my patients. I'm like, then honestly, don't be a surgeon because your patient is unconscious and you're not going to get to have that same kind of rapport with them. You'll want to find something mm-hmm. else. So I find a lot of, and certainly the burnout is also like in residency or working crazy hours. Like the burnout is very real, even for people who are, have that really perfect match in their profession. But yeah, it's a big problem that from an early age, people are told to do X, Y, or Z when really there's a whole alphabet of choices within healthcare to choose from. And they're all equally valid. You need to be equally hardworking, intelligent, compassionate, but you need to find the right fit for you. I
0: wish I had you when I was choosing when I yeah when I was choosing my post secondary education. So, you know, going to Queens was definitely a learning experience for me and it wasn't the best fit for me and I learned that, you know, two years in, but before going to Queens, I was like this is a really well-known prestigious school. And it's really well known for their law school. And I wanted to practice law. And I remember one day I was a part of the pre-law society at Queens and an alumni came in and she said, listen, you don't just wake up one morning saying that you want to practice law. This is a grueling field. You will work 70, 80, 90 plus hours a week. So before you make this decision, really think about that. And that night I was like, I am transferring schools and uh, law isn't what I want. And it was just a perfect example of what you said. Like, you know, I wanted to fight for people. I wanted to be in a position where I could help people. I was always told that I was really articulate. I competed in so many like speech competitions and did all the things that would show people this would be the path. That I would go down and I was encouraged to go down this path and then finally realizing that I still want to help people but maybe this isn't the way
1: that I want to help people so yeah yeah it's it's so key and it's like again i work with so many different students in these kind of capacities and some of them right from the get go their reasons for why they want to become x y or z it's so crystal clear and i'm like you've got this like this we're going to work together we're going to make sure you get into this program but then there are others who are more like me who have always left so many doors open and they've left so many doors open because no one job is going to likely fit and fulfill all of their needs and take into account their past experiences and skills. And it's those people that I'm like, are you sure you want to be a surgeon? Because when you are a surgeon, you are only a surgeon. This is what you do. Not always. You can be a researcher, you can be an academic, but mostly you're a surgeon. Are you really sure that's what you want to do? Because it can be very isolating and lonely. It's very technical. It's very cool. But you have so many other, hobbies and passions and things you love to do are you sure this is the right route for you and I like to think I've saved a lot of people from making choices that maybe weren't in their best interest and honestly weren't in their patient's best interest because there's a lot of surgeons that I talk to that I'm like if you could go back what would you do and there's so many different things they would have picked instead and I'm like isn't it a shame that now you feel like you're stuck in this profession that so many of us hold up on a pedestal so yeah And I mean,
0: there's always time. There's tons of people that are proving that age is nothing but a number and having being in a career for X amount of years is incredible. And it's been a learning experience, but then they decide, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to go in a completely different direction. And that's amazing too, because, you know, when you go through these life experiences, they're all about, that's why I don't believe in regrets. I believe that there is a lesson or lessons to be learned in every experience. And sometimes things that you learned in one field, you're able to transfer those skills and go into something completely different. I was speaking to a wonderful woman uh, who I had on the podcast where she worked in the bank bank field and she was working more in, uh, I can't recall exactly which department, but it was more in banking and she took those skills she said she took the skills the people skills that she learned from that position and she took that and transferred that into her photography business and the way that she carried on a dynamic in a relationship with her clients in that regard so yeah i i think that you know to feel to feel stuck is an unfortunate situation but if you really want to and this may take time Depending on you know your financial situation or just your current lifestyle, it may take time to make that transition. But if you're feeling stuck, there's a way out. There, there's always a way out.
1: And I talk to patients about that all the time, and I feel like I'm a little bit of like a quasi career counselor. My dad is a (laughs) guidance counselor, so I feel like it's just rubbed off. And you know, a lot of my patients are in positions where they they could leave their job financially and find something else, and so many of them have, which is really cool. I'm always really proud because I'm like. You go people like it's good. Like if they're able to make that jump, don't stay in something just because it's prestigious and you make a lot of money and you work so hard. If you're not loving it, leave. And that's been the biggest learning curve for me is like, I always growing up, I never thought I would start my own business. And I've started a few little businesses over the years with this being my biggest. And it's just like, I never thought I'd be a physiotherapist. That was not on my list of potential career options. And you, to, I kids, you got your bachelor of education, correct? Yeah. So I kind of, I had kind of a couple of different paths and, you know, I teaching was certainly one medicine was certainly another, maybe a psychologist, like these were kind of paths that I had left open and I had the options to pursue all of them, which was again, so privileged and awesome. And I was sitting in a physiotherapy clinic and I remember turning to my mom. My mom's one of my best friends. So she's <laughs> just, oh, she just comes up. Yeah. And I turned to her and I was like, you know, I was like, if I was a physiotherapist, I don't know if I'd ever work another day in my life because I would just be in healthcare, which I love. I'd have the scientific knowledge, which I love. And I'd be an educator for my patients and a knowledge translator and being able to take all this medical and healthcare jargon and translate it for them so they could appreciate and understand what was going on. And that was another light bulb moment where I was like, I think maybe this is what I want to do. And clinic space is not necessarily for me, at least at this point in my career, I've always got to leave opportunities open. But certainly I always encourage people, like if you have a dream and a goal, whether it's for your main business, whether it's for your side hustle, which I love that word side hustle, like you just got to find what you love. And if you can make it something you can do yourself, it's just so much better.
0: Agreed. Well, yeah let's get into our lightning rounds. I know that we can go on and on and on. I love this. I love our field. Like I love the health and wellness field. I love that we've had sort of similar aha moments of, you know, how we're able to really interact with our clients and on such a deeper level and having, you know, your mobile service and, you know, unveiling this whole other aspect of physiotherapy for me, when I was, when I first heard of physiotherapy, I was like, okay, so you go to a clinic and they help you, you know, sort of rehabilitate. And then as I got into the fitness industry, I thought, well, how will that transfer to getting them back into, not necessarily back to, but bettering their overall function and movement patterns. And then when I came across what you were doing, I was like, oh, this is totally transferable. And now I have a better understanding of physiotherapy. So actually, before we get into the lightning round, (laughs) because this is, you know, this is something that I'm really passionate about too, and understanding how uh, medical, different medical fields cross paths and Mm -hmm. sort of intermingle. And I would love to get sort of a better understanding because I think when people think of physiotherapy, they think, okay, when I get, when I get injured or when I have a particular surgery, I will go to the physio to rehab and to do sort of, you know, some movements on the table and then they'll send me home. And then like, can you give us a little bit of a better picture as to like what physiotherapy is? So there's no misconceptions because I was very, I was all about the misconceptions to be quite honest.
1: And physiotherapy is going to look so different because our field is huge. Like we, there are areas that I'm still like, oh, we do that. That's amazing. So it is a huge and broad area and I'm only one physiotherapist and I practice in a very different way than other physiotherapists. So I treat orthopedic, um, pregnancy, pelvic floor, and pediatrics. Those are kind of my focus areas. So we do an assessment, we figure out what's going on. Um, That's very like people moving around, seeing how their body moves. A big part of it's asking questions and asking the right questions so that they get to tell their story and that the patient can give you so much information to kind of lead you towards a diagnosis um, of what's kind of going on and what maybe caused the problem to begin with. And then every physio is going to use different treatments. So for some, that could include things like acupuncture, hands-on movements or manipulations of the soft tissue, bones and joints. Um, Some use machines like laser ultrasound tens. Those, I could go into a whole other podcast. They are not very evidence-based. They are to be used very sparingly in very specific situations. If a physiotherapist uses it, please ask why they're using it because they probably are not using it for your best interest. Probably because they're lazy. <laughs> Whole other tangent. Um, which is why I also I became. <laughs> because I, that's also why I became a mobile practitioner. So I didn't have to be kind of encouraged to use those modalities to see more patients. Um, the big thing though is the exercises. The hands-on exercises key. Um, so we'll make sure the exercises are functional, the person can do them safely and that they're working towards their goal. So if your goal is to be able to reach something on the top shelf, I'm not going to give you like a clamshell leg exercise. Those Don't right. correspond. Fund. and the biggest thing is working towards that functional goal once the person's discharged giving so once they've met their goal giving them something an exercise program to prevent relapse and to prevent reoccurrence of what what happened um, and then transferring them to someone like yourself uh, working with personal trainers athletic therapists things like that so that they can continue their their journey um, in staying functional and staying fit to whether that because i mean fitness is for everybody Fitness is awesome. not just for people who are runners or swimmers or rugby players. Fitness is for everyone at any stage of life because we all need to be able to move in whatever way we can to accomplish exactly. what we want to accomplish.
0: Exactly. And move in ways that make sense for you. And like you said, if you want to reach something at the top of your shelf, like that is a fitness goal. So exactly. uh, yeah, no ifs, ands, or buts. And I, I just love how passionate you are about your field and what you are strongly for like who you identify yourself as, as a physio and who you do not. And I think that's really powerful. That level of confidence is really powerful when you are in a field such as yours, uh, because people, yeah, it, it adds to the trust. It adds to the trust element, and people, people just want to know that they are going into the hands of somebody who is, you know, has the people skills, of course, which I can I can really say, you know, coming from the education background, I think that helps us. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and just working in the, in on that level of, you know, teaching and educating, I felt that really has come into play for me. And, you know, just speaking on a level that makes sense to someone, like you mentioned before, all of that combined to to really build yourself up as a trustworthy medical professional. So I am just like like let's make an appointment because I am <laughs> I am all ears, I am all for you and that this is what it's all about right for for you to be an individual that can provide a well-rounded experience for a client. It's not just medical, it is way deeper than that. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, we can go, we can go for hours talking about this and we can definitely schedule a part two to this, don't you? But, uh, in the meantime, I'd love to get into our lightning round, and, uh, and yeah, and get to know a little bit more about you and about what you do specifically. So, and sort of your opinions around the medical field, which I know you're not shy to share. (laughs) So here is the first question for you. Um, and one to three elements that you feel people need to focus on when it comes to their physical health.
1: So mental health trumps all more than physical health. Mm-hmm. So if your mental health is not taken care of, your physical health will never get to where you want it to be. Mm-hmm. One to three elements. Okay. One to three. Balance. Yeah. Balance in your life. So again, um, enjoying those good foods that you enjoy, enjoying, you know, hanging out on the couch with friends pre COVID, um, fitness has to be part of that lifestyle. And three find something that you love. So fitness doesn't have to be going for a run can be something that you enjoy. That's so key.
0: Thank you. Amen to that. Because you know, it is really important for people to know that just, you know, what makes y- your friends really happy in their fitness journey may not be something that's going to make you happy in yours. Definitely. So, love that you brought that up. Okay. Second question. Um, what a lot of people may not know about pelvic floor training or pelvic floor physio. Uh, this is a, still a little bit of a mystery. To look at you and the skeleton for those who are listening through Spotify or Google Uh, Katie has a skeleton of your pelvic area, uh, for those YouTube
1: followers, just, just pay attention. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. We get to talk about this. Okay. Pelvic floor. So something people should know is that when you are pregnant, postpartum or any time in your life, peeing when you sneeze is not normal. It is typical. It is not normal. So please reach out to a pelvic floor physiotherapist to get assessed and diagnosed for why that's happening. Amazing,
0: thank you for that. Just like that really short, sweet synopsis. <laughs> That's great. I'm sure you say that.
1: Sorry, what were you gonna say? We could do a whole podcast on this, but <laughs> yes, that is the number one thing where I'm just like, please, people, stop thinking it's if you lift a heavy weight, if you just had a child, whatever situation, peeing is not normal when you're not trying to pee. So, okay, we'll the- really,
0: again, another good podcasting idea because. I am very much involved. Where I did start to become involved with the powerlifting uh, industry and and field and method of of training, and there is a lot of controversy surrounding that lifting heavy weights and peeing on the platform. So we will save that for a whole other podcast episode, which I would love to delve into. Uh, yeah. But really, good to know that it's typical, but not normal. You got it. Cool. Okay. Third and final question. Okay. And this is coming from just a a, a sign that's a bit curious. So, do you see yourself becoming like a professor or a teacher in your field?
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) I think so. I would love to do that. It's such a long journey to get there. And it means having to decrease how much I see patients. But yeah, yeah, that's definitely part of the future plan
0: as long as I've known you Katie, honestly, you have always had the tone, had the presence uh, and just the vibe of a teacher and it's hard for me to see you not I mean you are technically teaching every single day. you are providing your clients knowledge every single day and that is a form of teaching for sure. but that's why it just you know brought up this level of curiosity for me because I was like, would she pursue her PhD and become a professor? Because it's just, it comes so natural to you.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's balancing life with all the other kind of things we have going on and it's balancing a business, which people can appreciate, but it's also figuring out what area I want to research because I've got so many different areas that I want to pursue for a PhD. It's like, I got to nail these down and figure out which is going to be the most impactful to, to my field is what, what, how can I, how can I help the most with my research? So absolutely.
0: absolutely. Stay tuned for
1: that. I think that's coming down the pipeline.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm really excited for you. Thank you so much for your time. and thank you for all these other podcast ideas that we'll probably come to again and revisit. And I'll you know be calling you up to record because you have you have so much to offer within your fields. You as just an individual, And hopefully an official educator, maybe possibly again, (laughs) or pursuing that PhD. But for the time being, where can people find your service?
1: Absolutely. So um, the easiest place to connect with me for social media would be traveling at Traveling Physio. It's traveling with one L uh, or on Facebook and then online, just www.travelingphysio.ca. And I'm always happy for people to reach out with any questions. I love to talk about my profession. So always open to questions.
0: Incredible. Well, thank you so much, Katie. Have an awesome rest of your weekend, a great week. And I can't wait to chat soon.
1: Sounds good. Take care. Bye. Bye.